It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Mavs lose again. Luka can't do it all alone. Joel Embiid can't do it all alone. The Heat scrape by in a weird night in the NBA. Plus, are we buying or selling the starts of some teams that have records different? We expected, and it's Friday. Power ranking the new City Edition journeys, uh, jerseys Excuse me, in the NBA. Coming up on today's Locked On NBA. Let's do it. You are Locked On NBA. Your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NBA podcast, breaking down the latest and greatest from around the league. Four games last night, all featuring some weirdness in some way, shape, or form. The Hornets make it to overtime. The Blazers, without Dame, get it done. The Mavs lose to the Wizards. It was all over the place in the league. The new City Edition jerseys are out. We're going to talk about that in our power ranking segment. And let's buy ourselves some starts of teams that have different records than we expected. Lots to cover today. I'm Tony East, the host of Locked On Pacers. He's Adam Mares, the host of Locked On Nuggets. Adam, what game would you like to start with today? Well, I went west, so we might as well start with um, Portland, New Orleans. That was a good game. Yes, it was. It was. I was getting excited, Adam. This was supposed to be Dame versus CJ for the first time ever. It got taken away oh, from us. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Tonight was actually the night of shorthanded victories. You know, Portland without Damian Lillard gets it done 106-95. What stood out to me, a couple things. First, we'll start with Portland. Jeremy Grant was fantastic in this game and was fantastic down the stretch. He went for 27 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, 1 block, was a plus 20. That's a monster stat line doing a little bit of everything, but down the stretch, going at Zion Williamson, crosses him over, dumps, dunks it through traffic, and to me, if I distilled this game down into one storyline, it was Zion's defense was really bad tonight, and the Pelicans' offense hasn't quite hummed the way people expected, you know, adding Zion to the mix of what they'd already established. You got Ingram out there. It hasn't quite mixed, but the defense has definitely fallen off a cliff, and I'm not blaming any one person. But tonight, Jeremy Grant matched up with Zion for parts, large parts of this. He was just giving him the business. I haven't watched every Pelicans game, but they're struggling with pick and roll coverages. They don't quite have the the help or rotations coming over quick enough when they get beat, and their perimeter defenders aren't strong enough to always, you know, keep it in front of them or, or handle switches. So uh, the, the defensive end certainly a problem for that New Orleans team. That yeah, I think they're under 500 now after this loss. They their start has definitely not been what they hoped, given uh, that they had their all stars finally back together. Yeah, six and six, and they started off obviously so hot. I think they were everybody's pick after night number one in the NBA, everybody's <laughs> pick to come out the West. Um, that obviously you're putting a halt on. But the Blazers, also a team that like, they're the opposite. Nobody was picking them. They've had some monster wins, and they continue to roll. And getting a win without Damian Lillard is really impressive. And they did it in a way that I think is it gives you some excitement. They get double-figure scoring from uh, Simons, Hart, Grant, Winslow, uh, and a uh, little, so you get a little bit of, you know, a lot of different contributors, and then you obviously lock up when you need to down the stretch, holding uh, New Orleans to just 17 points in the third and 21 in the fourth. 
Um, that's a recipe for a very good team. Turns out having wings is helpful. Portland finding out the fun way and now has beaten uh, both New Orleans and Phoenix without Dame this year. Impressive stuff. Let's go East Coast next. I was all over this one. The Hornets and the Heat. Uh, I can't crazy. believe this game went to overtime. Seven straight losses for the Hornets now. Not having a mellow ball, certainly a, a huge factor in that losing an all-star can be. And now Dennis Smith Jr., who's been terrific for them, quite frankly, this season, gets hurt in the overtime of this game. They're going to really struggle without guard play because for a while, this game was weird. They got down by 15-plus three different times and climbed all the way back to make it a game and still couldn't win. They don't have quite enough creation for others on this team. They made 43 shots, only 23 of them were assisted. So they got good shooting. Kelly Oubre was fantastic yep. for them. Yep. Uh, in this game, he had he was five for seven from deep at halftime for 19 points, almost reached 30 in the game. But they don't have enough defense or creation to beat anybody right now. Yeah, I don't. Th they're just not a good team, uh, and they're probably at that moment three and ten, still missing your all star. You know, I don't know how how long this se season is going to be. One of those ones where you're hopeful for being this playoff contender or whatever. It's early; things can change, but they just don't look like it to me. But the other side of that is the Miami Heat. 35 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists from Jimmy Butler, who goes 11 of 19 in overtime, plays 42 minutes to beat a team on a seven-game losing streak. At home, by the way, in Miami, they are a team to me that I look at and I just go, man, what is going on with this team right now? They don't look very good. They look like they've completely hit a wall. Um, and, and you shouldn't need those kind of performances to get a win against Charlotte. Yeah, they're a vet team with talent, but they don't have enough shooting around it to make it all kind of click, right? 10 for 36 from deep in this game. So they're really reliant on Jimmy to do these kind of things or Bam to have one of his every three games or he's making a bunch of shots. And, you know, the first half, Duncan Robinson hitting two-pointers was like their big offensive click thing that had them ahead. Like, they can't count on that every night. Like, they just don't have quite enough juice offensively to – you know, their defense is still fantastic. Eric Spolster is still coaching this team last time I checked, but they don't have the offense to make up for it some nights. Yeah, and that's it, this just happens with teams. I'm not saying it's happening with them. It's so early. Like, a lot of these, we're going to get to it later. Some of the teams are you buying it's over or not. Um, spoiler alert, I still think Miami has a chance to pull out of this. But tonight, if they would have lost, they would have moved to 4-8, and eight, tied wow. basically with the Charlotte Hornets. That's a rough start. And even though you get a stabilizing win here in overtime, I still don't think you walk away from this one with a ton of confidence. Yeah, Charlotte had a chance to win it at the buzzer. They had a chance to go ahead late in overtime with one of those, well, probably the worst travel call I've seen this season on Kelly Oubre, which, like, yeah, letter of the law, he traveled, but the way the NBA is officiated, that has never been called ever this season. That really hurt them. They're calling, the travel, by the way, is there are so many travel calls this year, and I have to agree with you on this one thing. They're calling it so tight that it does make me wonder, is that, you know, you're almost calling it so tight that you think you could call it every time. It's like there's a hold in the NFL on every play. But when you start calling them more indiscriminately, you start to wonder, well, hold on, there's a travel every time down court. So it is an interesting storyline. Point of emphasis, we're 11 games in. This is about the time when point of emphasis starts to dissolve most of the time. I'm curious <laughs> to see if that one uh, sticks around. Yeah, last two minutes report will be interesting on that one. He definitely took four steps. It's just like that happens every time someone catches the ball on in an inbounds pass. Whatever. You were all over Dallas, Washington. What happened there as the Wizards wore pink in the NBA tonight? <laughs> the Wizards did wear pink. Um, but what really happened was Luka Doncic, I, I, had, I thought, had a very bad game. I mean, he put up 22-9-6, and six, just 8 of 21 from the field, 3 of 8 from the three-point line. But it was a very unimpressive game from him tonight. Obviously, the ball's in his hands all the time. It just wasn't creating, wasn't scoring, and wore down, I thought, as – 
you know, as the game went on, and I saw this stat on from Stat Muse today. Number one, we all know that he has this insanely high usage rate, right? I think it's the third highest of the three-point era, where the ball's just in his hands. He's shooting 53% from the field in the first quarter, 53 in the second quarter, 48% in the third quarter, and just 36% in the fourth. That's wow. an aggregate on the season. That's what it looked like tonight, too. Just a guy that wore down and was ineffective. He missed layups down the stretch of this game, like at the rim, using his body, trying to get to the, you know, finish off the glass and just couldn't finish from four or five feet away. I, this is two game losing streak now for the Mavs, but um, I know Dallas fans are concerned with what they're seeing from Luka. Uh, yeah, they also, in this back-to-back, just lost to the Magic without Boncaro and the Wizards without Beal. So definitely not what the Luka Doncic-led Mavericks would want. And I'm just looking at the box score. I didn't see the game, but six missed free throws from Luka as well. It's five turnovers. It's just a lot of misclicking plays. The Wizards' defense continues to be kind of okay this year. That's like the only calling card that team has. Yeah, what's well, Sensel Jr.? Actually, they have another calling card. It's Kyle Kuzma, 36 <laughs> points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. He was legitimately great tonight, 14 of 26, kind of scored from everywhere. Uh, and then Rui Hachimura, have to give him a shout-out because he was fantastic. Had a stretch there in the second half where he kind of looked unguardable, just getting to the rim, uh, scoring off the bounce, scoring off the dribble, 23 points, 8 rebounds on 9 of 14 shooting. He was a difference maker in this game. Um, but yeah, to your point, Washington had a good game, got contributions from a lot of different guys, but I was more when watching this game, just kind of surprised at what I was seeing from Dallas that didn't, I don't think anybody's buying them as a contender, but they just didn't look that good. Yeah. Losing your second best player and having absolutely no viable replacement is, uh, is very bad. And they're mm. finding out what that looks like. The hard well, way. No Christian Wood tonight, by the way, it should be noted. No Christian Wood. Yes, that would definitely have helped them. Last game of the night, Sixers Hawks. Uh, why am I concerned about the Sixers? Because they have the least creative offense, I think, in the league right now. They dribble it up. They pass it once on the strong side. They pass it back to the ball handler. They throw it to Embiid and hope. Hope. Yes, that's in my notes three different times in this game. They hope they can score somewhere in that sequence. And Joel Embiid's awesome. He had 26 points and 13 rebounds in this game and was a plus 10 in a nine-point loss. He's not the reason they lost. But that strategy works until Embiid's out of the game and they're just throwing it around aimlessly. They have no plan. They can't score. They can't quite create. So when you have an off night from Maxi, who was kind of forcing it, an off night from Harris, they just can't get enough. So the Hawks didn't even play that well in this game. They were 6 for 26 from 3, only scored 104, and they were in control the whole time because the Sixers are uncreative and kind of hopeless at times. You don't get a lot of contributions from your bench, and you get a bench unit that doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. And I am a little sympathetic. I mean, obviously, James Harden's a huge piece, not just sure. because of what it makes your best punch, but also just your ability to kind of mix lineups and always have a star on the court and, and do different things. You take that away and you just look at that second unit. They got a lot of players I like. Shake Milton, you know, Niang, George Niang I like. Um, you've got some guys that I think can do some things, but when you take out the, the piece that makes everything well-rounded, this is what you get into. And that bench unit got dominated tonight. Um, you know, your top guys, George Niang, uh, Daniel House Jr. So uh, <laughs> 76ers, 5-7, and seven, and definitely on the cusp, I think, of, uh, of some concern. Maxi is a really interesting player because he's so fast with the ball and crafty. Like, he can be a really good threat and score, but he doesn't look to pass very much. He doesn't get all the way to the rim on a lot of his drives. So on his off nights like this, it feels like he's really bogging stuff down because the ball's not popping as much as it should. On the Hawks side, credit to Trey Young, who even on nights where he's off can get to the line a bunch and be really awesome. Clint Capella is fantastic. 20 boards from Capella. Clint Capella is fantastic for this Hawks team. The exact perfect glue piece for them. 
they continue to look pretty good in this new era they've got with the Murray Trey Young backcourt. Should we talk about concerns slash buying good starts from teams at? I think we should. I think we should too. But before we do any of that, I think we got to talk about betontheline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this season. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all over at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find them on betonline.net as well. They've got their NFL lines up for this weekend. If you want to watch the Colts, the local team to me, who hired a guy who has never coached the NFL before this week in their first game in Las Vegas against the slumping Raiders, the Raiders are favored in that game by five and a half points over at betonline.net. Go check all that out and more. Fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix, head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back in here on Locked On NBA. We're talking teams with surprising starts in either direction, positive or negative. And if we're buying that start, Adam, do you want to start with a team that's exceeding expectations or a team that is falling well short? Let's do, let's start positive. Give me one. Teams that are surprising everyone. Throw one at me. You got a better list. Oh, I got the list here. Utah Jazz. I mean, come on. The surprise team of of the start so far, Utah Jazz, 10 and 3. The second best team in the NBA by record, uh, trailing only the Milwaukee Bucks. They are atop the Western Conference. They have a plus 6.1 differential. They're on a four-game winning streak, and they have a lot of very good wins under their belt. Um, This isn't like, oh, they just played a bunch of scrubs so far. Are you buying or selling this 10 and 3 start? I am buying this start. The talent fits really well. I think Zach Lowe said this very well in his podcast. He said there wasn't like a plan to get this specific group together, right? They just made the moves they made because yeah. they were trading Gobert, because they were trading Mitchell, because they traded O'Neal. And this is what they have. And the headline just, was picks. Right, right, right. The subtitle was, you know, Markinen and everybody else. Markinen and Beasley and Sexton and right. and even the Kelly Olynyk trade. All this stuff has just worked for them in a way that this roster, despite not being constructed specifically to be together really works. Markinen's awesome. I mean, if you made all-star teams right now, he's certainly on it. Sexton's clicking for them. Their bench guys look good. Jordan Clarkson is, I can't believe I'm going to say this, passing the ball to his teammates successfully. The Jazz look good. I buy it. I, I mean, I buy it depending on what we're talking about. I think they're a good team as well. Are they a playoff team? Like this is what's funny. Yeah, they're true. number one. The West is just so loaded, you know, and could they fall out of that? Of course, they're only three games up. I mean, three games is nothing this early in the season. Three games up on Dallas and New Orleans, two teams that we all kind of expect to be in that conversation. So I don't know if I'm buying them just yet as a playoff team, but I'm buying them as a good team. I'm buying them as at least a play-in team, if not higher. And if they do this for another 10 games or so, maybe not 10 and three, but if they just continue to have a winning record, you know, through 25 games or so, then I think I'm going to buy by what they've got going. If you want to be the Jazz pessimist, currently opposing teams shooting 32.3% from three against the Jazz, that's not going to hold. That number is going to go up. That's where their concern could come. Who's next? 
Next one, another positive one. The Cleveland Cavaliers, eight and three. We all thought they were going to be good, but number two in the Eastern Conference. They've got a plus 9.2 differential. They're winning tough games as well. Are you buying or selling? Uh, that, that, if, they, if we did this two days ago, this would be a lot easier. They lost to the Clippers on a last yeah, second. Yeah. Well, George shot, and then the Kings got them uh, on Wednesday as well. I think the Cavs are definitely good. Uh, they're an interesting team because all the talk is wings, wings, wings in the NBA these days. And they said, ah, screw that. We're going to be good at every other position. We're going to get an all-star at every spot but the wing. I think it is working. I think their offense is really potent. They generate good threes. They have awesome big men who can both screen and defend. They rebound a lot. They win the possession battle, which I think is going to make them good with the talent they have. But I, I don't think they'll end up as high in the standings as they are right now, but I buy them as a playoff team. Their offense has been insane. Donovan Mitchell has been insane. Their defense has been insane. They're number three right now in offense, number three right now in defensive rating, wow. um, which is a good combination. Um, I don't think I'm buying them like this. I think they're a good team. I, what I will say I'm buying, though, is I think they're an innovative team. They do a lot of really interesting – I mean, obviously, they play two bigs. Whether that's their you know, their starting bigs who both could be centers or if you're even just talking about a Kevin Love, they just play a lot of multiple, multiple guys that are big-bodied that you have to match up with size. You can't put a small guy on any of those guys in their front court. But they play them outside. They do a lot of creative stuff to draw them away from the basket and use them. And even though they're not like – perimeter oriented you know not you don't have Mobley and, and Jared Allen shooting threes and doing different stuff but they still have other skills screening dribble handoffs you know passing and, and hitting cutters from the elbows that's just fun to watch and really interesting and when you clear the paint for Donovan Mitchell uh he, he seems to know what to do so I'm buying them as a good team but I do think they're running just a little bit hot right now I think my reason for buy alone could be Evan Mobley I mean he's he's, he's great awesome. man. he is awesome next up all right, now that was, that was the fun's over. Now we got to get to the, the negative ones here. The Minnesota Timberwolves, five and seven, Twin Towers, not going so well so far. Buying or selling them as a five and seven team. I, I have little reason to believe that they will be better than this. It's funny because they have really good players like Rudy Gobert is a lock to get a top 10 defense. Cat's really good. Anthony Edwards is really good. We, there was a lot of chatter before the season about who's this team where the vibes are off. Is it Phoenix? Is it Golden State where dudes are punting each other? Is it Brooklyn? The answer was Minnesota. The vibes appear to be off in Minnesota. Things just don't click during the game when you watch them. And they're you know, the, with one big lineups, things are working. With the two guys they wanted to pair together, it hasn't been working. Anthony Edwards hasn't. And this was my take when they made this big trade for Gobert is they're betting Anthony Edwards can take a huge step forward right now because they don't care about the picks in the future. And he's been good, but he hasn't taken that big step forward. So – I think they'll be better when they kind of tweak what pieces they have around the, their core. But right now, I, I, I find it hard to believe they're more than like a little bit over 500 teams. So I'm buying what they are right now. Here's the thing that's scary about them. They just lost four out of five, including three of four on a four-game homestand. Their upcoming games now are at Memphis. That's a tough one. Probably a loss. At Cleveland. Probably a loss. At Orlando. We'll see. And then at Philadelphia. <laughs> You know, that's tough. Then they get one home game before going back on the road to play Indiana and Charlotte. So they have this tough schedule. I mean, sometimes momentum is a big thing for especially for teams that have new pieces. Like you just don't want to start off with bad vibes and you don't want those bad vibes to get worse. You're five and seven. You've lost five of your last six. And now you go on what I project. You're going to lose your next two. At some point that becomes uncomfortable. So to me, they are in the thick of the storm right now. They have to weather it before the schedule gets a little bit easier. I'm just not sure they will. Yeah, the, 
it hasn't looked like I very rarely have watched the Timberwolves have been like, that's the blueprint thing they can do right, to, right. To, to get better. You know, that they, they haven't had that moment yet. And sure, it's been 12 games, but I, I'm looking for that thing. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. The next one up is the Golden State Warriors. I can't believe we're here already with this team. The Golden State Warriors, who are just four and seven, not even five and seven, four and seven. They also have lost five of their last six, although they did eke out a win over Sacramento. They got upcoming games against Cleveland, Sacramento, San Antonio. So a couple, one tough one and a couple easy ones coming up. Are you buying or selling the four and seven uh, Golden State Warriors? I'm selling it. They have a top three player on their team. They have a core that's been there, done that. Um, the thing I think is confusing. I'm going to call You're back. selling that they're a bad team. You're buying yes. that they're a good team. Yes, yeah. they're a good team. I think they're a good team. It's it's confusing to, to do buy and sell or whatever. Um, I think the Warriors are good, despite their 4-7 and seven record. So this team obviously was more successful in general. You know, They made the playoffs twice in a row, but they're kind of right now reminding me of the early Tatum career Celtics when it was like the Isaiah Thomas – Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder teams that were trying to win with that core, but also bring along Brown and Tatum and bring them up. That was their version of two timelines, right? The Warriors are doing that now with playing Wiseman with their bench, not really playing Kuminga, but at times playing Kuminga with their bench and playing Moses Moody to kind of like do this. Okay, we have this championship core, but also these young players. That's hard to do. So I think eventually they'll find a better rotation that both suits that Steph is amazing and also lets them develop guys a little bit and that they will look good when they do that. That's here's the, here's the thing about them. They currently, their starting lineup, currently is a plus 72. Not net rating, just overall. They played 123 minutes and outscored opponents wow. by 72. That's number one in the NBA. No five-man unit has outscored their opponents by that much. Uh, their net rating is through the roof, so that's not just like I'm fudging numbers here. That's an actually good lineup. That just shows you how bad every other lineup is, that yep. they could be the most dominant five-man group, play more of their minutes with that than any other combo, and yet still be at this record. And also, by the way, losing some embarrassing ones. You know, some some of these games have been, um, you know, have just been tough for them. So uh, a loss to Detroit, for example, by 14 points. So uh, I'm, I'm not buying that they're going to be this bad. But I will say that I'm concerned. I'm moving up to concerned about the Warriors. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, they lost Otto Porter. They lost, like, a couple other key guys. This summer, they clearly had an odd vibe saying, and Jordan Poole hasn't been as good as he was last year. I think that's been something that's hurt them, too. He's not in that starting five. If he clicks a little bit, I think that could help. Again, if they find a better way to get their second unit to settle in, I think that would help. And a lot of their second unit is new guys, but at the same time, they might just not be good <laughs> new guys. So Some of them, they, I think, for sure, are not good. Yeah, they have to figure that out. Um, next up team you watched tonight the Miami Heat they get the win but prior to that they had lost four of six uh they're just five and seven they don't really have a ton of great wins under their belt I'm looking at it right now they did get a win at Portland um and they beat Toronto so I guess they got two wins under their belt are you buying or selling them they are really tricky because I think Spolstra is great I think he's really good at getting a lot out of these guys he has been forever and ever Jimmy Butler's still amazing like he was tonight but it requires Jimmy Butler being that awesome to beat Charlotte in overtime at home after several, I think they had four days off for that game in Miami. Like, uh, you know, they clearly don't look good right now. And like we talked about at the start, they don't have enough shooting. They just don't have enough shooting. So I don't think they can be as good as they have been in past seasons until they find, you know, an offensive weapon to kind of balance out what they're doing. 
Man, their schedule, if you look at it, the NBA's done this this year. They played two games against Toronto in Miami, so they played Toronto twice in Miami. Then they went Golden State, Sacramento, Golden State, Sacramento. They play Charlotte tonight. They play Charlotte again on Saturday. Wow. And then they, and then they play Washington three out of the next five after that. Like, what a weird schedule to just be keep playing the same teams all in, all in order. Um, nonetheless, I think I'm selling the Miami Heat. I think they might have expired. I'm worried about them for all the reasons that you mentioned. I think they're going to be a good defensive team. I just don't think they're a title contender. And Miami is not a team that goes for anything less than that. So I wonder if that is a team that we're – every year there's a team that ends up being a trade – like trade candidate team. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they arrived at that point, some point. They were like the surprise team this year. They're, some of the pieces get moved. That would not stun me either. Uh, you know, five and seven is not, not very good. And – they need some firepower pretty badly. Real quick, rapid fire, last one here. 76ers, we talked about them earlier as well. But they're also five, and all these teams, five and seven. 76ers, are they going to pull out of this hole? Uh, yeah, I think so. They, Well, unfortunately not in the short, short term because James Harden is hurt. They hit some form, like, after their really slow start. They won three in a row, and they were good opponent. Well, if you count Washington, is good. You know, Chicago, Toronto, Washington, good opponents. Right, they beat Phoenix the other night without Harden. Like they, they have good wins. I think they, they are good, but they had a really crummy start. Uh, and Joel Embiid's one of the best five players on the planet. I think they'll be fine. They have four home games in a row coming up. Um, home, like early, five home games in a row. I'm sorry. Early season home stands to me like that gives you a chance to get a little momentum. So I don't want to say this is a make or break five game stretch, but it's a real opportunity, and it's against tough teams: Atlanta, Utah, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Brooklyn. <laughs> you told me they go five and zero. Oh. You told me they go zero and five. I'd believe it. Anything in between, this could be one of those stretches that either propels them to getting back on track or crushes them. Yeah, I'm with you there. And they haven't been. They need some creativity on offense, but with the talent they have, I find it hard to believe they can't be at least pretty good. Right. Let's get out of here by doing our power rankings, as is the case here on Lockdown NBA on Fridays coming up after the break. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Take your pick, Locked On Nuggets or Locked On Pacers, uh, our two shows. And those teams just played each other, so you can get the take on both sides of the aisle for that game. Power rankings for Friday. New City Edition uniforms coming out for the NBA. The weirdest thing, because every year there's a new one, and oftentimes I hate 20 out of the 30, but this they always, they're always fun. They always inspire a ton of debate, and they're out. Going to power rank our top fives. Adam, give me your fifth fave. Do you want to alternate? How do you want to do these lists? Oh, I thought you just made a list. I got a handful. I was going to critique your list and tell okay. you how bad they were. <laughs> okay. My fifth favorite, and this one gets a boost from a tie. Uh, because the court is beautiful. The Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are wow. my fifth favorite. Uh, black, nice orange trim, and the orange is a peach-colored orange. As it was on their court, I like teams that coordinate it with a court like the Wizards did. We'll talk about them in a minute. It also matches their their stands are black. Their chairs are yep. black, so it kind of makes it like comes together. It pops really well. 
It looks good. Uh, it's close enough to their colors because black's in their color scheme that I like it. Uh, I'm in. That's my fifth favorite. I think it's really cool. The font also is really, really great. Um, and it, it looks like the, you know, the font from the TV show Atlanta. So I think it's a really, really cool one. The Hawks always, I think, not always, but usually have really cool stuff. Very they do. One. They do. They're, I don't normally like busy jerseys, but the one from like the 90s where the actual Hawk is holding the basketball on it is one of the very few cool jerseys that is really, really busy and complicated from the old busy jersey NBA era. Number four. For me, maybe this is because they were my favorite team growing up. Maybe it's because it looks good with their court. Maybe it's because they won tonight wearing them. The Washington Wizards, the cherry blossom Washington Wizards. I like it. They're pink, which is already like just starting off. That's a very weird color. You don't see pink in sports very often. When I saw these come through the wire, they were one of my least favorites. But then I watched them tonight on that court. They popped. Sometimes like in a picture, they look bad. I think that I would look really bad in these jerseys if I were to buy one and walk around town. I don't. I do not think I would look good. But you know what? Seeing them out on the court today really won me over. I, I don't think they would have made my top five, but I like them a lot more seeing them on the court than I than I would have guessed. Tune into Locked On NBA next Friday, where Mares will uh, fashion all thirty jerseys for the entire podcast. <laughs> Here, here's what's funny about the jersey reveal, actually. So there's the jersey, right, alone, which is a new thing that we have new jerseys every single year, and we have to make a big deal of it. But then there's the court, which then becomes part of the conversation. Is the court elevate the jerseys? You know, right? We just did that for the cherry blossom ones <laughs> in Washington. But then there's a third layer to this. And that is, how does your team reveal it? Because now the social media team has to do some kind of elaborate, like, reveal, and there's a theme to it, or this or that. So now we're judging everything on three layers. We can't just judge the jersey. I think what a team should do in the future is, like, like Denver, for example. Just have Jokic wear it around town one day. Like, don't tell anyone <laughs> that, that he's doing it. Just, just that would be a good way to get get your. The other, the other funny thing is that these leak like four months ago. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's some poor Dix employees like, "What's this?" and tweets it out, and then yeah. that's that's how we end up finding one hundred percent. Number three for me, uh, we have entered the land where I reveal my personality of jersey likes, which is what most consider boring. What I consider aesthetically pleasing because I don't like being distracted in games, and I like single color good jerseys with good fonts. The Orlando Magic, all black about. Tiny blue trim. This like this it. is a wild take, Tony. This is I a love wild that. That looks take. good. That looks good, right? Uh I guess. It's very boring. You're you're right. Like here's the thing. I like boring jerseys. I don't mind the like minimalist jersey look. I I'm with you on that. I some of the stuff that gets a little bit too bright or too too busy or whatever, I'm not with. This though goes way too far the other direction. This is a black like jersey it. with the word Orlando on it. This is extremely boring. A little too boring for an organization uh, that's already super boring. I didn't even – when you said Orlando – this is how bad it was. I didn't even remember it. I had to look it up as you were saying it. I, no one wants me to be commissioner because I'd go back to road team in color, home team in white every game. Let's go. You only need two jerseys. Run plain enough. white tees, plain black tees. That's it. <laughs> it. It's easy to tell who's who. The branding's good. People get attached to stuff more. It's like my third grade soccer club. You're either white or orange. You know, you don't play for the Pacers, exactly. You play for the orange team. For the <laughs> orange team, yeah. Whatever franchise you happen to be on. I like those. I like a lot of the simple black ones, which there are quite a few of. You know, Memphis is darker. Los Angeles Clippers went that route as well. Uh, those ones look good, but Orlando's is my favorite. Number two. Well, can't be worse than Orlando. Let's see where you go. <laughs> oh, no. You, I, you've you been studying this one today, I presume. The Denver Nuggets. Great job All by right. the Denver Nuggets. This one looks good. 
It does look good. Like I can't. We thought this was going to be a throwout to a throwback to the uh, Denver Rockets, the original ABA Denver Rockets. There's no mention of that in any of the material, so it might just be a coincidence that these look like the Denver <laughs> Rockets jerseys of 1967. Um, the only thing about these is my colleague over at DNVR, Eric Weedham, points out they have these blue lines on the side that kind of look like a COVID test. <laughs> they totally do. I did not notice that until you said that. So wow. These, that these, is these jerseys, positive for COVID. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, a, a 2022 <laughs> jersey joke that would not have made any sense two and a half years ago at this time. <laughs> Continuing my theme of being the most boring person on the planet. My number one favorite city edition jersey, the Chicago Bulls. And yeah. Chicago is my favorite jersey package in the league in general. Classic. Yeah. All they do is change the font when they make new stuff. And it always looks good. Their color scheme's good. Their branding's good. The United Center's cool. And they know it. And they stick to it. Good job, Bulls. Yeah, this one is a good one. I think this would be a lot of people's favorites. Um, they look really classic. They're not like too... I, I like some of these ones are like you if you took the name off of them, you'd be like, who is this again? Like what team? Like look at Portland. If you just took the PDX off and you just put like, you know, FFF or something, you know, you'd be like, who the heck is this jersey for? Chicago is one of those. They have such cool branding to begin with that you don't have to change it too much. You just little tweaks, do a little something here or there. And it looks great. I think that's a good number one pick. We must close this by talking about the NBA conspiracy theory of how the alphabet works because uh, the <laughs> Portland Trailblazers are on the graphic alphabetically ahead of Philadelphia and Phoenix. Now, the jersey does say PDX, uh, their airport name. I'm sure there's something else, too, that I haven't read the whole no. background of that one. Um, no, no way, man. This is just a mistake by the league. Somebody alphabet, like put this in alphabetical order incorrectly, and that's the only thing. That I, 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 I'm guessing it was floated as PDX, and they put it on there. But then Charlotte would be, you know, it's before Chicago, but it says CLT, so that would go after Cleveland and Chicago. But it's in the right spot. Yes, it, it, it's it's a conspiracy. I love theory. that you caught this. I, I this is like my favorite thing that somebody has caught. This is this is this is a great detail. <laughs> I, I wanted to look through them out. I, I actually got confused because, okay, I have to tell on myself. I'm going to sound very stupid to end this podcast. I forgot what the city of brotherly love is. Like what? It oh, my God. <laughs> so I was like, what is that? And I was trying to use the alphabet to figure it out. This and because Portland was in front of it, right I was really confused. This is and the I remember, and then I got right here, So in conclusion, I'm very stupid. <laughs> Do you have any other Jersey-related opinions or, or any other dumb things to make fun of you for? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Games tonight were pretty fun. Some exciting ones coming up this weekend. And it's going to be the big story in the NBA. Can the Lakers survive without LeBron? We'll have to hear all about that come Monday here on Locked On NBA. Till then, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.